Welcome to the Effortless English Show with the world's number one English teacher, A.J. Hogue, where A.J.'s more than 40 million students worldwide finally learn English once and for all without the boring textbooks, classrooms, and grammar drills. Here's A.J. with a quick piece to help you learn to speak fluent English effortlessly. I'm AJ Hogue, the author of Effortless English, Learn to Speak English Like a Native, father of the Effortless English system. I train you. I teach you. You speak English fluently. You speak English confidently. You speak English effortlessly. When you join, when you commit to my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com, go to EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Join my VIP program there. Commit, don't quit, to my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Also, Business English course is ready. I'll be sending out emails probably in a week or two. We're just doing a couple tests to be sure everything's fine. And I'll be sending some emails with uh, discount codes. So if you want to get a discount for that, you need to join my email list. You can do that also at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Go to the bottom of the page. There's an email form. Just enter your email. You'll be on my email list. Watch your email because the discount codes for Business English Conversations, the course, the Business English course, they're coming and I'll send them by email. Coming soon. Today we're going to do another story. Another story from Aesop. story about a crow. Black, big black bird and a fox. Another fox story. We'll be doing some vocab. Beak, anxious too. Croaked for all he was worth. Snapped up and ideal. These are some of the vocab words we'll be doing today. So, tell you what, we're live on YouTube, but let's just start. Let's do it. I'm going to read the story. Let's not waste any time. Okay. This one's called A Lesson for Fools. A Lesson for Fools. A crow sat in a tree holding in his beak a piece of meat that he had stolen. A fox, which saw him, determined to get the meat. It stood under the tree and began to tell the crow what a beautiful big bird he was. He ought to be King of all the birds, the fox said. And he would undoubtedly have been made king if only he had a voice as well. The crow was so anxious to prove that he had a voice that he dropped the meat and croaked for all he was worth. Up ran the fox, snapped up the meat and said to him, if you added brains to your other qualifications, you would make an ideal king. All right, here we go again. So once again, we've got a fox tricking, right? The fox in these stories, they're, all, they're usually pretty tricky. They're cheating people constantly or cheating other animals. So we've got a big black bird, a crow crow in a tree and the crow has some meat in his mouth in his beak a beak is it's the like that hard part of a bird's mouth right we call that a beak so he's got some meat in his beak and of course the fox wants the meat so he's the fox thinks oh how can i trick him so uh he decides well i'll trick him I'll get the crow to speak and when he opens his mouth to talk he'll drop the meat and then i'll get it so that's his plan. That's what he does. Okay, so a crow sat in a tree holding in his beak a piece of meat. The fox saw him determined to get the meat. Now, this is a word we're using the verb determined here as like a decided, strongly decided. It has some other meanings, but that's what the meaning is in this story. Okay, so the fox stood under the tree. He began to tell the crow what a beautiful big bird he was. So this is a story about false praise, right? False compliments, saying nice things to someone, but falsely, not just not to be kind, 
not to be good, but to get something from them. That's kind of the message of this story is be careful of people who say nice things to you, but they're just trying to get something from you. They're trying to cheat you by saying nice things to you, by praising you, by complimenting you. Uh, this is a very common technique even in, on, uh, like I, I've dealt with, I've had to, I've had people do this to me many times when traveling. So street uh, people in the streets, you know, in, in big cities around the world who want to cheat you, they will use this technique very often. Okay, so what did the fox say? He's talking to the crow. He says, you ought to be king. Ought to means should. You should be the king of all birds. You're so great. You're so amazing. You should be the king of all the birds. He said, you would undoubtedly have been made king. Undoubtedly means definitely. If only you had a voice. So he's saying, you know, you look so good, you're so big, you're so beautiful, so strong. But if you had a good voice, if you had a strong voice, then you could be the king of all the birds. So what is he doing? He's trying to trick him, right? He's trying to say, show me your voice, right? He wants him to talk, so he'll drop the meat. Okay, the crow was so anxious to prove that he had a voice that he dropped the meat and croaked for all he was worth. Okay, anxious to, this phrase. Anxious to. Now, this word anxious has a few um, uh, meanings, uh, kind of feelings. It describes an emotion, first of all. Anxious. Just the word. Only the word individually. Anxious. Now, normally, the most common meaning of this word anxious is kind of like nervous, worried. Nervous and worried. However, it's often used like this, anxious to do something, right? Anxious to prove he had a voice. Anxious to, I'm anxious to go on my trip, right? I'm anxious to, whatever, to meet this, my friend. When we use it like this, anxious to do something, it actually more has the idea of excited to do something, like looking forward to it. So it's it's maybe like nervous, but it's a little more like excitement instead of worry. You know, I've noticed my mom, for example, uses this phrase a lot. You know, oh, you must be so anxious to you know, go on vacation. And you know, if we if you know the main meaning of the word anxious, this seems strange. Why would you be nervous to go on vacation? Well, you're not, because the second meaning, especially in the phrase like this, anxious to do something, it actually means more excited, not nervous, not, not worried. So anxious to prove he had a voice. He was so kind of excited, enthusiastic to prove that he did have a good voice. The crow says, oh, no, no, I have a good voice. And he dropped the meat and croaked for all he was worth. What's croaked mean? This also has a few meanings, but croaked is the sound that a crow makes. Is that sound? That is called, that's called, if it's a noun, that's called a croak. If it's a verb, that is to croak. So, right? What do crows do? They croak. It's just to make that sound, is what that word means. And then finally, the last phrase, he croaked for all he was worth. Another idiom, if you do something for all you are worth, it means you use all your effort, 100% effort, right? Like he, he ran for all he was worth. It means he ran as hard as possible. He ran with all his energy, all his effort. I studied for all I was worth. It means you studied 100% with all your effort. Okay, so of course what happens? He, he starts croaking, rah, rah, trying to talk, show his good voice. He drops the meat and the fox snaps up the meat. To snap up just means to grab it quickly. To grab it. So this, again, it's, it's a two-word phrase. To snap up something, right? To snap up the meat means to grab it very fast. Snap up. Snap up something. Grab it very fast. And then, of course, like these foxes, after they trick somebody, they always like to laugh at them and insult them. So he does this. He says, if you added brains to your other qualifications, you would make an ideal king. So he's basically saying you're stupid, 
right? He's saying if you added brains, if you added intelligence to your other good qualities that he was praising, he was saying, then you would make an ideal king. Ideal means kind of, you know, perfect, perfect. So, you get the idea. Now, you know, there are other, uh, I noticed in the comments, some of you are saying different countries, there are different, I know there's a Japanese version of this story. There are lots of different versions of this story. Sometimes it's cheese, sometimes it's meat, sometimes it's something else, sometimes it's different animals, but it's the same basic idea. This is, I don't know, I'm guessing this is maybe with the original story or one of the originals because this is over 2,000 years old, this story. This goes back to ancient Greece. But anyway, you get the idea. So, what's the? Uh, let's talk about the message now. We'll review the vocabulary at the end again. But um, the message is to, uh, you know, I think the main message is beware of false praise. Beware of false praise. That people, especially people you don't know well, people who come up to you and just suddenly they start saying nice things to you. Oh, you're so great. You're so wonderful. Oh, man, you're so fantastic. You should be suspicious. <laughs> Don't trust them immediately because this is a common technique to cheat you. As I said, it is very common. When I was traveling in India, this is what the guys on the street will do to you constantly. They constantly walk up to you and they're so friendly. They act very friendly, number one. And uh, number two, they like to compliment you. Where, where are you from? They ask lots of questions, personal questions. That's, that's warning number one. They're asking personal questions that you've never met them. Where are you from? How many kids do you have? Are you married? And, uh, and then number two, they start to you know compliment you. Ah, your eyes are so great. And oh, you're so tall. And oh, America, I love America. Da, 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 da. And just, you know, constantly saying all these positive things, praising you. Why? Because they're, they're trying to make you trust them because they're going to cheat you or they're going to ask you for something. They want to get something from you. So they, we call this false praise. False praise. Praise is to say nice things to someone. You know, oh, you're great. You're wonderful. And of course, false means that the praise might be true, but false means their motivation is false. Their, motiva their motivation is not honest. Their motivation is actually to cheat you somehow, to make you trust them, to relax, to feel good because they are saying nice things to you. And then they're going to cheat you or steal from you or do something bad to you. A lot of criminals do this. And so in the story, of course, the fox uses the false praise right to make the crow relax and to trick him to start talking he drops the meat and the, the fox takes the meat so it's pretty clear obvious uh and it's good advice it's more good advice you know these aesop's stories they're very practical they've got very 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 good advice very basic simple red pill advice you know i think that our age we live in now because of media and tv and uh, uh people uh, a lot of us, a lot of people are very naive, right? There's a very good word, that word, naive. Naive means you trust too quickly. You trust too easily. You trust people you don't know too fast, too easily. And a lot of people are this way. So when I traveled the first time, I was so naive when I was young. You know, growing up in America, I grew up in this nice, you know, kind of suburb outside the cities, and I was just super, super, super trusting of everybody because, you know, when I grew up, my family, my neighborhood, you could trust everybody. It was a high-trust society. That was wonderful. Very nice to grow up in that environment. But the one problem with that is that it made me naive because I didn't realize, I did not realize that outside in many other parts of the world, there were a lot of foxes. <laughs> a lot of foxes and that in general it was stupid and foolish to trust people too quickly especially strangers and I learned this uh, with some you know difficult experiences especially my travels especially my first couple of travels in India where I was constantly being uh, you know pe having people try to cheat me using all these different techniques. I mean, so many things in Aesop's fables, I laugh because I can remember, like I have a memory of something like this in India or sometimes other countries too. Um, 
And so then I had to learn, oh, don't be so naive. When my, uh, a couple of years ago, a few years ago, my wife and I traveled to Nepal, to Kathmandu, and we went with my cousin Philip, who's young. He's like, he, at that time, he was 21, I think. But like me, when I was young, he was so naive, so naive. He grew up in a small town in Indiana, in the middle of America, and just so trusting of everybody. And uh, so again, he got cheated. He got cheated by a woman. This woman comes with a baby. Oh, you know, oh, can you help me? Oh, I'm starving. My baby's starving. And... Uh, you know, I, he was kind of behind us, and I didn't realize what was happening. And then this woman convinced him to go buy milk for the baby. But of course, the milk was super, super, super expensive. And the whole thing is a is a whole plan of cheating. The woman is working with the store to cheat people. And I laugh because this happened to me in India, in Calcutta. The exact same thing happened. And later, I realized uh, we got cheated. And uh, you start to talk to other travelers, you start to talk to local people, and you start realizing, ah, this whole thing is just, it's a big lie, it's cheating. It's just one of the many ways they try to cheat you. And especially when you travel some places where you are obviously not local, right? So if I'm in the United States, this may be different sometimes. People think I'm local, so they maybe don't. I won't get be targeted. But if you're obviously a tourist, like if you go to New York City and you walk around and you look like a foreigner and you're, you're looking around and you look confused and you look like you don't know where you're going, then these people are going to try to cheat you. You will be a target. Uh, and so when I travel, and if I travel in India, obviously I'm not Indian. So I'm immediately a target every time. Like all these people try to cheat, cheat, and they'll try to do it to you too. Uh, so anyway, it was a good experience. All my travels, I've learned, you know, not to be so naive. And so many of these stories in Aesop have that kind of message. Don't be naive. Okay? You, just because you are good, just because your family is good, does not mean everyone else is good. In fact, there are a lot of people out there who are not good. Some of them are just liars, and some of them are much worse than liars. And so you have to be very careful when you deal with new people. I mean, that's probably the basic message of almost every one of his stories. And then there are other differences in the stories too. There are other messages also, but that's a basic one. And in this one, he's describing the technique of false praise. Be careful of false praise. Be careful when someone's saying lots and lots and lots of nice things to you. Because they, they probably want something from you. Be careful. Not always, but sometimes and often they do. All right, let's go into the comments and questions, see what people are saying. Yeah, so a lot of people are saying this story is very popular in school, that they've heard this story or some version of this story. It is a common, it, it is, I've heard this story as well. Yeah, a lot of you are saying you learned it as, as a kid in school. Yep. Uh, so yeah, like Vladimir says, Medvev. Medvedev says, in Russia, we have the same fable about a crow and a fox. The fox asked the bird to sing. Fox wanted to have cheese. Yes, I imagine, I don't know, I'd have to do, you know, research about it. I imagine that they probably go back to Aesop just because, you know, Aesop was is ancient Greece and so much of, especially Western, I, I would say, you know, Mediterranean, Western uh, culture, you know, has it has its roots in ancient Greece. So I imagine that these stories went out from Aesop and ancient Greece, and then they went to all these different countries, and then different countries changed them, modified them, the meat changed to cheese, maybe the animals changed to different animals. Or, you know, it could be just it's a basic lesson of life. It could maybe even Aesop heard this story already. It was already common before him. I don't know.
<laughs> and Vladimir said he had to memorize the story and tell it in front of the whole class. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, well, Fatma says, how do you... I mean, this is a good question now. The next... It's an obvious uh, question after this. How do you make the balance between trust and mistrust, especially with strange people? Right. So, how do you... What is the balance? Because you can't be paranoid. That's not healthy, we know, right? To just be like, oh, everybody's trying to cheat me all the time, right? It makes you crazy. So, you know, there's kind of a middle way again. There's kind of a, a basic level of uh, mistrust. So, I think, you know, my rule, again, I th if you get experience traveling, you kind of find it. You figure it out. But... You know, overall, like there's just certain, you'll, you'll learn there are certain things. So in the main, one of the main things is if someone you don't know comes up to you and starts talking to you, immediately you should be suspicious, not terrified. Okay, that's too strong. That's too much. But suspicious. Don't automatically trust them. You, you should probably think in your mind, what do they want? Because normal people don't walk up to strangers and start talking to them. Now, maybe they're just friendly. Maybe they want to chat with you. Like for me, if I travel in another country, sometimes they just want to practice English. They, I look, you know, I look like I might be an English speaker and they're just wanting to practice English. So they're not trying to cheat me or do anything bad. But still, I'm a little careful for a while until I realize, ah, they just want to practice English. But... You know, in the beginning, I'm kind of, you know, I'm just careful. I'm watching them. I'm listening carefully to what they're saying. I'm, you know, I'm not going to go anywhere with them. I'm not going to give them any uh, detailed information about me. I'm careful. So, you just have to be a bit careful. You don't have to be afraid and terrified all the time. But you have to be kind of careful with people that you don't know. And, you know, again, and if someone walks up to you, you don't know them, and they're saying all these nice things to you, you know, you can kind of realize it, 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 it's strange, right? It's not normal behavior. So, again, it should immediately, in your mind, you should start thinking, hmm, what's going on? Why are they, okay, this, is, this feels like it's too much. It's fine if they say one nice thing, but when they're kind of saying lots and lots and lots of nice things, they don't know you, there's, there's really no reason for them to do it then you start have to think, what do they want, <laughs> right? Sometimes I, that's, this is a nice trick, by the way, a nice technique. When someone does this to you, they walk up to you, just look at them directly in the eyes and say, what do you want? Not, not in an angry way, but um, just be very direct. Oh, what do you want? And then they kind of, uh, you know, if they... It, it, it works often they'll wear it works and they'll they'll actually then they'll show you what they really are doing they might just say oh, I'm just trying to practice English and that's okay uh, or whatever but just you just got to be a little careful yeah like Nasser says it's very strange somebody you don't know comes up to you and tries to be very nice it's a common thing if you travel abroad it is. It is strange. It's not always bad. Like I said, sometimes uh, I've had people do it and they're just very friendly. Maybe they're just, they, they want to talk to a, you know, a foreigner. They want to practice English. Uh, this happens in America. This happens. Uh, some Americans are very talkative and they, if you're like standing in a line waiting at a grocery store, for example, they might just start talking to you. And they're just, they're just like, they're just very friendly and outgoing. So, you have to kind of know the local culture a little bit too. But there's still things you can tell. If they can be friendly, but if they start saying, oh, you're wonderful, you're wonderful, you know, too much praise like this is a bad sign. Or if they're asking you lots of details about your life, too many details, that's also a sign to be careful. You know, you just learn these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sarah's a good point. Sarah says, sometimes my kids do the same thing with me. Mm. 
Yes, if you have kids, you know, right? They tell me very nice words to make me relax. I know at the end they want something that I won't agree with them. <laughs> That's right. This is a common technique that children use that all the parents know, right? So they want something. They know you probably will say no. So first they start, you know, trying to, oh, say all these wonderful things. You're such a nice mom and da, 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 da. And you're just kind of like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because it's not normal behavior. They don't usually do that. Suddenly they're being super nice. You're like, okay, what do they want? They think they're being tricky, but of course you know. Yeah, I mean, like Cleefy says, they're using human nature. Human nature likes to be appreciated, of course. We all like praise, of course. And we don't hear it a lot uh, in our normal life. So, of course, they're using psychology against us. And this is what the fox was doing. Because, of course, we like to hear it. It will automatically make you feel good. If someone says, you're so smart, you're so wonderful, oh, your clothes look great, and yeah, you got beautiful eyes, and oh, what your wonderful hair, and whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Uh of course, automatically you start to feel good and it makes you relax. And that's what they're trying to do. So you just have to be, this is why you have to, this is what Aesop's telling us. There should be some little voice in your head saying, be careful, be careful. Yeah, like so. I mean, this is an example of something that also is common that's totally fine. Yosef says, I think I will offer if I see a foreigner looking at their map, not knowing which way they have to take, especially when there's no policeman to ask for help. Yes, and I will too. I've done this in San Francisco. I'll see obvious tourists and I'll say, hey, you know, they obviously look confused and I'll go help them. So this is also common. This is why we cannot be paranoid. So we're again, right? Don't be naive, that means trusting too much. But the other side is too afraid, right? So then you're just like, uh, uh, you know, someone's just being normally friendly. They, they're trying to help you find your directions or something. And you're, uh, uh, that's too much. So you have to find this middle way. And it is normal to kind of overreact. And uh, again, like I'll use the India example. Because I started off very naive. So I just, my first trip was two months. So I started very, very naive and was constantly, I mean, just constantly, people trying to cheat me every single day. And so what happened? I overreacted. I went too far the other direction because I got, started getting really angry and upset about it. And I became paranoid. Like I didn't trust anybody. I'm like, go away. You know, really, really kind of hard and unfriendly for uh, probably another week or two. <laughs> Maybe another week. And, uh, but that didn't work actually. It didn't actually work because the cheaters would use my anger against me somehow and they would still bother me. They could see that I was being upset and they saw that as kind of a weakness and they would still bother me. And so finally I found a middle way where I would just be totally calm and, uh, you know, careful, but not upset. And then if sometimes, like I said, because I was so obviously a foreigner, many times they just wanted to chat with me. They were curious, right? These people just really were just being friendly. They just wanted to chat with me. Oh, where are you from? Oh, why are you traveling in India? Right? And so I would just be careful. I would just, I would be friendly, right? I would smile and be nice, but of course, in the back of my mind, also watching and being a little careful. And then after a few minutes, I usually could tell I knew, can I trust this? Is this person just nice and friendly or are they trying to cheat me? If they were trying to cheat me, I would say, you know, goodbye. Say, I'm not interested. Bye. Go away. I would start being quite rude, actually. <laughs> if they were friendly, I would chat with them and smile and have and it was very nice. And I had met some nice people and uh, had some good experiences, too. So it's, a, it's kind of, a, you know, we call this street smarts in English, street smarts. There's kind of book smart where you get from a book. But street smarts is only comes from experience. So, yeah, we all understand there's some middle way here. We can't go too far 
being afraid. We can't go too far being naive. How do you find the middle way is really experience. You need to experience this enough. And, you know, sometimes you'll go too far and sometimes not enough. And then you kind of find that middle way. And it comes with a lot of experience. Okay, I'm going to jump to the bottom and go backwards. Let's see. Yeah. Another example of family. Maroof says, I did this with my older sister. I went to her. I told her, do you know how much I love you, sister? Her, she responded directly, what do you want? <laughs> right? So she knew. She knew. <laughs> because, you know, if you do it now, and, and why do they know? Because it's not normal. If every day you say, oh, sister, I love you so much. Oh, you're so wonderful. If you're always this way, you really appreciate her all the time, always saying nice things. Well, then she's not going, then it's not different. It's not strange. But if you usually don't do that, and then suddenly, oh, you're so wonderful. Oh, you're so great. Then they're going, mm, why are you, why are you suddenly saying all these nice things? What do you want? <laughs> right? Because they know from experience, this is a little, this is a technique. We all kind of know this one. Ma says, a famous anecdote says, English people have the temper of a fox. Do you agree? I've never heard that. And I'm not sure what it means. So I, I have no idea. Huh. Katarina says, Hi, AJ. Nice to see you. Have you visited Athens? Speaking of Greece, Aesop's Greek. Uh, I have visited Athens. Athens is a cool city. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I liked it more than I thought I would. Honestly, uh, we were taking a trip and we stopped in Athens and Istanbul. And um, I really wasn't expecting much, honestly. I mean, I kind of like, I don't know. Maybe Athens will be okay. But uh, it actually was one of my favorite places on the trip. I love the food. It was so good in, in Athens. And uh, probably it's because I really love the history of ancient Greece and ancient Rome. So I, I have this sort of natural attraction to both Italy and Greece. But I found uh, like the Parthenon and all that fantastic, amazing. And uh, yeah, I'd like to go back to Greece and see more of it. I only saw the city. Yeah, Ripsome says, kids are very smart. They wait for the right moment and then they strike. <laughs> yeah, they do. My little nephew does this too. Uh, funny. They'll be really cute because they want something, you know. They're masters of doing this sometimes. Yeah, like Liana says it in a nice way, using a good word here. I think we have to be neutral with strange people. Yeah, that's a nice way to say it. Neutral, uh, you know, have equanimity. It's a little bit, maybe bigger word to use, but neutral is a nice word. Kind of neutral, meaning you don't, you don't really trust. You're not afraid. You're just sort of aware, right? Even at work with colleagues, people are different. Not everybody understands kindness. Correct. It's well said. Very well said. And, you know, there's kind of... Uh, I'm trying to hurt it. Mm, I don't remember. Taoist something. Anyway, there's... Uh, certainly in Buddhism, there's an idea of... Like, don't be... Don't... There's a nice saying, you know... Uh, it's, it's kind of a general psychological saying, too, of... Don't get too upset about criticism. 
don't get too excited about praise, right? Because these two things can unbalance us. They can make us too emotional. When someone criticizes us, then naturally a lot of us become too upset. We let it upset us. We let it bother us too much. And it's really best not to, to not really be bothered by it at all because you're always going to get criticized by someone. And on the other side, don't get too excited about praise because of, you know, so many times it's false. So kind of having this more kind of, yeah, neutral or calm attitude about both, both criticism and praise, you know, listen to them, but don't get too emotional about either one. Yeah, like Gloria says, I was the victim of something like that. Now people say, why are you so cautious? Well, sorry for them, but I need to be careful. Exactly. This is how you learn. I was the victim too. I got cheated so many times in my first few trips traveling, but I learned so much. Uh, luckily, nothing serious. Just a little bit of money, you know. But, um, but it taught me a lot. And now I don't get cheated much because I kind of, you know, pretty street smart about these things. Yeah, it's always possible, but... But overall, I, I kind of recognize it more, I'm more, much more cautious when I travel. Yeah, Paulica, with, well, exactly, Paulica. Paulica says, I think this time the fox used a very dangerous weapon. It's called pride. That's what praise exactly. This is why it works. Because what is what was the uh, fox doing? The fox was appealing to using the crow's pride. Ah, yeah, I am so great. Yes, I am. I am, right? It's that pride, uh, that desire to, to be admired, that makes the false praise work that that allows them to trick us it's kind of that's they're using that weakness against us okay let's see yeah like you know this is a nice uh, man buddha toki toki says for strangers, my trust point is five in the beginning. After that, the trust point depends on their behavior. This technique I learned from you. Thank you, dear coach. It's a, it's a very simple way to think of it. Like if you have one to ten, right? Let's say uh, one means no trust. You're paranoid. And ten means you're naive. You're super trusting. So yeah, you start at a five with most people. People you don't know, you start at five. And then... You watch and you learn from their actions, uh, and if they do good things, then you trust them more, right? Then over time, maybe your trust grows and grows and grows, or if they do bad things and they lie and they cheat, then your trust goes down, down, down. And this, so you adjust with time, and you kind of start in the middle, kind of neutral. It's a good way to do it, you know, it's a good way to think about it. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, Anna says, uh, you said you love to travel. Me too. I'd like to know if you want to make a, uh, make a, like a live stream where you talk about tips for foreigners going to the U.S. to communicate better, mainly Brazilians. Hmm. Maybe I could, you know, you guys could send me your ideas or your questions or your possible problems or issues traveling in the U.S. And, or topics you want me to talk about. I'd be happy to talk about that topic traveling in America. Um, you know, it's interesting because you know, probably you have this experience, but you know, for me, like I don't think about it much. So traveling in foreign countries for me outside of America, you know, I kind of have a lot of ideas about it. Um, but traveling in the United States, because it's my own country, I don't, I don't really think about it so much, right? Cause I kind of, I know the culture already. So I don't really think about what would, what are the problems? Um, maybe some big cities like New York, are quite are a bit different although honestly after traveling in different parts of the world i did not find new york to be that difficult um 
Yeah, I could think of some things, though. Like, you know, like many cities in the world, uh, American cities, you have to be very careful about the neighborhoods. This is probably one of the most dangerous things because, uh, you know, most American cities, they have areas in the city that are actually very safe and they have other areas in the cities which are very dangerous. And sometimes those areas are very close together and you have to be careful so you know like i'll say san francisco i know that city very well so san francisco right downtown okay you can go downtown to union square it's right in the center basically it's safe it's very safe but you can walk west about four blocks and you are suddenly in a very 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 bad neighborhood it's only four blocks and you know sometimes people don't realize it and they if you're not from there that how quickly you can go from a very safe area to a dangerous area or to just a nasty area. So it's a, yeah, that's probably one key thing I would recommend is understand the neighborhoods of cities in the United States. Uh, Be careful. <laughs> yeah, another common thing. Noor says, when I sit with my dad, I say very good and nice words. He says, how much money do you want? <laughs> right. Yeah. Parents know. Hey, no, you can't trick them. Yeah, right. So see, Alexi says, in my city, there's one woman who pretends to be disabled. The entire day, she's crouching, begs for cash. The end of the day, she stands up and walks like nothing happened. Yeah, this is very common in around the world in cities where people, uh, they're, you know, and in, in, like in the America, they'll come up and they'll tell a story about how their car broke and they, they need money for gas. And they tell it. And, you know, if you're not local, you maybe feel, oh, and they're so good at, oh, oh you know, I'll pay you back. And, oh, and they tell this whole sad little story, right? Uh, and if you're not local, maybe it's that you, you feel, oh, my God, okay. But you're local. See, they, some of these people are not very, not very smart. And they'll, they'll use the same story on you again and again. They don't realize that they've already seen you before. So they come and they'll tell the same story again two days later. Right? And then you start realizing, oh, this is, this is all lies. This is just a, they're just hanging out. They're just staying in the same corner. And every day they're telling everybody how their car broke and they need money, you know, that kind of stuff. Yes, it's very, very, very common. Zibinex says, I think you should do a history club about American history. It would be quite interesting. That would be interesting. It's a big topic, of course. The history of any whole country is obviously a giant topic. You know, like history of Russia would be uh, a huge, huge topic. But I could maybe choose a smaller one, like the Revolutionary War might be a good one. The founding of America, kind of that, that, that's a very key point in American history before and after independence uh, that really created a lot of the ideals of the United States and kind of really created the country. So that would be a good one. That would be a fun one. And it's, it's a key part of American culture and history. It's, you know, it's the one where most of the heroes of the United States come from that time period, Benjamin Franklin, all the people, a lot of the people on the money, not all, but George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, you know, Adams, all those guys. Yeah, that could be, that could be interesting. That would be interesting. I'll think about it. I'd have to do a little, like, do some uh, research about it because I wouldn't want it to be red-pilled and true. Hakim Kimo says, I wonder, AJ, how did you spend your childhood? Where did you study just to follow your steps? Well, like I said, I grew up in suburbs. I moved around a lot as a child. My dad worked for a big company, IBM. And uh, every few years we moved. It was not fun. (laughs) Uh, We always lived in kind of suburbs, kind of outside of cities. But, you know, like I said, mostly in the South. I grew up in the South mostly. 
I did spend a couple of years up north, but uh, most of the time I was in the south, but in different locations in the south during my childhood. I had, other than that, that was probably the worst part of my childhood was all the moving. It was very stressful and painful, leaving friends and having to make new friends and new schools and all that stuff was not good. Besides that, it was a pretty nice childhood, you know, very nice. Always lived in nice neighborhoods, good friends. Uh, my family was, my parents were quite nice. Uh, yeah. I'd say, I'd say overall a very typical uh, suburban American childhood. I have good memories of my childhood. Yeah, so I, I guess some of you are interested in like the history club or share us your culture, the way of living there. Hmm. Well, think about it. Like I said, I think that, like I said, it's a very huge topic. <laughs> um, and I would really have to, I think, dig in and find uh, the truth because most countries are like this that you have these periods in your history and in the schools they teach. It's kind of mythology, really, right? I mean, it's legends, and some of it's true, and some of it's kind of made much bigger. And, uh, yeah, so you have to kind of really dig and research to get the full truth. But uh, it could be interesting. It would help people maybe understand some things about American culture and politics. Um Certainly, you know, like we, what I might, fo I could maybe focus on the Bill of Rights, the Constitution, the kind of the formation of that is key to America. And uh, yeah, maybe I'll think about it. Hmm. Okay, Pakistani says, I'm a huge fan of yours. Actually, I want to ask you if one hour of listening, quality listening, will improve my English speaking after six months. Improve? Yeah, definitely it will improve your speaking after six months. Um, of course, you know, if you do more, you'll improve more. One hour, I would say one hour is the minimum. One hour is the minimum to get some kind of decent result. Less than an hour of day... Less than an hour a day is not great. Uh, probably not enough to do much, but at least an hour. If you can do two, uh, it would be b considerably better. At least two. Well, there you go. See, you guys always have good ideas. You guys had the idea for the movie club, Lisa and others. And Bakir has an excellent idea. We could do a book club related to American history. Now, that's a freaking good idea. That's a great idea. We, I could, Because then I could choose a book about American history and we could dive into that book. And then that book would kind of teach us things. And I could choose books that were, you know, good that where we'd really learn some great things about American history. That's a really good idea. Hmm. American History Book Club. I like it. Okay, I'll think about that one. And then I could do all different time periods. Uh, we don't have to stay only in Revolutionary War. We could do the Civil War. For me, is very, very interesting. The Civil War is fantastic. Uh, and, you know, as a Southerner, I quite... I'm sympathetic to the southern side, not the northern side. And, you know, the northern side won, so they get, have all the propaganda and lies about that war. But uh, there are a lot of uh, other truths from the southern side that get ignored now in school, so we could, I'd especially would enjoy doing that. Hmm. And then even things like World War II and, you know. Andrew Jackson, I find, is a really uh, great American president. That would be, he'd be an interesting one. Read a book about him. All right, I'll think about it, guys. That's a good idea. You see, you guys give me good ideas. I like it. I like it.
Oh, okay. Um, another uh, Bakhtar Ahmed says, Hi from Kurdistan. God bless you. Hope you have time to talk about the Tao Te Ching. Uh, I, yeah, I would love to talk about the Tao Te Ching. I don't know about book club. It's uh, maybe. It's an excellent book. It's one of my favorite books, as you all know. I love the Tao Te Ching. But uh, it's just one of those things. It's, it's like, you know, each page, each, each little verse of it uh, has some pretty deep ideas. <laughs> uh, and sometimes they're kind of hard to explain. But uh, I'll think about it. I, yes. It's a good suggestion. Yep, so Gloria gives a thumbs up about the book club for history as well. It's a, I like the idea. That's cool. Ah, now here's a, a question about English from Casper Beblet. How to learn English slang, meaning from England. Is American slang much different than the UK slang? Yeah. That's where the two languages are very different. So with the standard, what you could call, I don't know, standard English, standard British uh, English, and then you standard American. So kind of just the, you know, the kind you see in the basic TV, like a TV presenter using, uh, those are not so different. That's a little bit different, but but not huge. But when you get into slang, they become very, very different because then these are connected to culture and pop culture and all kinds of things, and those are very different. United States uh, and England have very different um, slang. Like So I don't understand... If I watch something that uses a lot of British slang that's very specifically British, I might not understand a lot of the slang. Now, I can usually figure out a lot of it from the situation, but still, you know, for you, it probably would be very difficult. If you're trying to learn slang and uh, then, yes, they are different. And same true, you know, the uh, Brits might not understand all the American slang. Sivanek <laughs> says, our history club from the Mayflower to corporate communism. <laughs> yeah, that could be the title of a of a, a, a series of on American history, starting with the Mayflower, <laughs> ending with corporate communism. From the beginning of American uh the American Republic to its death. <laughs> I would say it died certainly before I would say American Republic died. People will argue about this, but certainly by World War One, it was dead. Some will say the Civil War is what killed the American Republic. Uh, some will say it's the it was the Federal Reserve, the banking system that started in uh, 1913, and that was prop. That's a, there's a good argument for that one. The Civil War is a good argument too, though. And others will say it was, you know, World War One. Definitely by World War Two, America was no longer really a republic. It had become a kind of corporate communist, which is a good phrase, uh, system that no longer was really a republic anymore. Sadly, sadly, that's true. And nowadays, it's Brave New World now. Actually, we should say, from Mayflower to Brave New World. <laughs> AJ, you look relaxed today. How's the heat? It's a bit, well, it's raining, so it's a little better. All these lights, part of the problem with these lights I use for video are hot. And I don't have aircon in my room here. Uh, so after about 30 minutes, this room starts to get quite hot in the summer. In the winters, it's totally fine, of course. Uh, now, see, Daniel has an interesting question. This is about, again, back to English. Which would you prefer to recommend? Listen to professional speakers or street style? 
I would say professional would be the first choice. It, but it really does depend on how you hope to use English. But overall, you know, professional is understood by everyone. Uh, professional meaning, stan- I would just say standard English, right? Standard. So not a lot of slang, um, you know, fairly polite that kind of English. I think uh, it's just overall, it's the most common, it's the most useful. You can use that in any situation and you can use that on, you know, on the street. You can use it with anybody of any age. If you're trying to use, you know, street style, you know, of course, street style also, it that can mean a lot of different things. You know, it really depends because uh, are you talking about like teenager style? Are you talking about white teenagers? You talking about you know black ghetto hip hop culture? Are you talking about something else? You know, it, it, so there's lots of different little small groups. Are you talking about um, you know more like countryside people? People live in the in the country. Um, so I think just overall the standard, what I would call the standard basic level of you know. The kind of the stuff you mostly find on YouTube and TV shows and books and audiobooks, that kind of English, the kind of English I'm using right now, is just the most common and the most useful for all ages in all situations. So that's what I recommend. I don't really think you need to focus on street or slang English very much, unless you have a very specific reason to do it. Yeah, like Sergey says, I live in Hollywood, Florida. Not far away, we have luxury apartments. And just across the street, there's a bad neighborhood. And this is common in the United States where uh, really terrible, dangerous neighborhoods can be fairly close to very nice neighborhoods. And it's, very, it's kind of strange, but if you stay in the nice neighborhood, you probably are mostly safe. And if you go into that bad neighborhood, you might be, you know, in trouble. So you'd have to be a bit careful. And this can be true in other countries, but it's less true. It's certainly like in Japan, it's not a it's very different in Japan. Right, a couple more and I've got to go. Yeah, almost time to go. Oh, what about your fasting? Are you still in the fight? Ask Cleefy. Yeah, still, I just, I'm still just doing, it's just my normal life now. One meal a day. I I eat dinner at night. That's all. I don't eat breakfast. I don't eat lunch. So one meal a day. My weight is just, my weight is just steady now. I'm, I'm between 69 and 70 kilograms. Uh, And, you know, for like the last month, it, it just, you know, it just goes up and down a little bit. It just depends, like, if I eat a big meal or if I drink a lot of water. But basically, my weight is just staying exactly the same now, eating one meal a day, doing great. I just, I plan to continue doing that. I mean, I guess it's kind of fasting, you know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Namaz joking. Let's do Honey Boo Boo for a movie club. (laughs) You know, it would be funny... I might do a show about that. That would be funny. Just do one time if I could find it. I don't know. There might be a copyright problem is the pro- is the issue. I could maybe do it on Twitch, you know, as a temporary thing that would just disappear. But I could just do a live show on Twitch just for fun where I would watch. We could show a li- a, some part of Honey Boo Boo <laughs> and I would tra- like kind of movie club. technique the movie technique where I would show a piece uh, from Honey Boo Boo and then I would translate it into normal English just for fun it's not really useful you don't need to understand that you certainly don't want to speak that way but it could be kind of funny where I could do that or I could do some like hip hop thing and just just really for kind of fun yeah I'll think about it I could do that we could do it on Twitch not serious though Leo says no snake fasting anymore. Why well, imfa? No, th- this is the snake diet. See, the the snake fasting approach is that when you reach your weight that you want, then you just eat one meal a day. So it's called OMAD, one meal a day. So that's what I'm doing. You know, I'm fasting about 22 hours a day, and then I eat uh, about two hours in the evening where I'll eat my dinner and the other 
the rest of the day I'm fasting. And that's just my life now. So it is a kind of fasting. It's just it's just easy fasting. Oh yeah, people have noticed we made one million subscribers on YouTube. That's nice. Unfortunately, YouTube is uh, cheating all their producers now. <laughs> so most people never get notifications about my shows or anything. But yeah, uh, you know, it's nice. It's nice we reached one million. Thank you. Ah, okay. AJ, I want to learn jujitsu. What's your recommendation about that? Well, two things. There is a, there's a nice thing called Gracie University. I think it's called Gracie University. Let me just look it up. This is a good way to start. It's how I started. You can actually learn a little bit uh, just on, just by watching their videos. It's surprising, but it does work. It really does. Yeah, it's GracieUniversity.com. There it is. Okay, I'm going to show you on the screen. I like to promote jujitsu. GracieUniversity.com. See, it says Gracie Combatives. That's what I recommend. Join this program here. Gracie Combatives. It's got 36 lessons uh, that are video lessons. And you can actually, even without a partner, I know it seems weird. And, you know, serious jujitsu people, of course, will say, you, can, this is, you can't really learn it. But we're not learning to be competitive here. This is just learning for like some basic self-defense, uh, getting the basic ideas of jujitsu, you actually can do it using their videos and even just watching along and kind of practicing even by yourself. So, gracieuniversity.com. However, if you really want to learn jujitsu and get good at it, you know, somewhat good at it, you, of course, need to go against other people. And so then you need to, you, you should find a gym, find a, find a jujitsu gym somewhere near you. You can use the, what I used to do is I used their videos as review because I would go to class and we'd learn a technique and uh, especially as a white belt, you know, beginner, they're kind of the same techniques. All the white belts learn the same techniques everywhere, mostly. So I would learn the, the technique at, uh, at the gym, but maybe I forget some point, you know, forget how do I grab with my hand. And so then I go and I would watch the videos to remind me of the, the small points, to remind me of the technique. I'd practice it a few times alone at home just so the memory would be better. So then when I would go back to the gym, I can use the technique more. So that's what I recommend. Uh, just, you know, you just have to try try different gyms. If you have a few gyms in your town, try my recommendation is try a few because they have different feelings, you know. Some of them can be very, very uh, aggressive and uh, some of them are more focused on like MMA fighting, mixed martial arts. Uh, some are focused on what's called no-gi, where, it, again, it's more of an MMA style. Um, others are more a little more traditional. Some are more focused on self-defense. Some are more relaxed and very friendly. So you have to find, it depends what you're looking for, what fits your style. Right, so I've tr I, I I've tried a few. I've there's I you know there's one really good one here that I like a lot in Japan, and I've tried a few others and they were okay. They were decent, but the just not as friendly. I really like the one uh, near me in Japan because they're just so friendly and uh, it's just a nice mix. They're competitive, but they're not crazy about it. Uh, so anyway, do that. Get Gracie University. It's a good way. All those things can get you started with jujitsu. Brazilian jujitsu, I'm talking about. Okay, tell you what. Let's review quickly our vocabulary from the story, and then we'll go. So, back to the story again. Remember, there was a crow. A crow's the big black bird. He had meat or food in his beak. What's a beak? A beak, it's the mouth of a bird, right? It's that hard mouth of a bird. It's called a beak. B-E-A-K, beak. Bird's beak. All right. And uh, the fox praised him, said, you're so wonderful, and but you need a good voice. And the crow was anxious to show his good voice, right? Anxious to. 
anxious to do something. And in some situations, to be anxious to do something means to be excited to do it, right? We know that the word anxious can often mean worried and nervous, but in this case, in these kinds of situations, anxious to means excited or enthusiastic to do something. Uh, We have the word croaked, where it's just the sound that some uh, some animals make. It's just this kind of uh, sound. Sometimes we'll say frogs croak. We say that a crow will croak. It's so it's a sound like that. Is <laughs> the noun is it's we call it a croak, or if as a verb as an action, it's to croak. So the crow croaked. And he tried to talk. He croaked for all he was worth. For all he was worth, meaning with all his effort. Um, and then he dropped the meat. And the fox snapped up the meat. Snapped up. Of course, snap is this action with our fingers. But to snap up, using it with the word up, to snap up something means to grab it very fast. Grab it fast. Very quickly. And finally, ideal. The fox is laughing at him, said you would be an ideal king if you had brains. Ideal means perfect or almost perfect. All right, guys, that's it. Hope you enjoyed this story. We're back again tomorrow. Lots of love to you. As always, join my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Also, get on Gab. We got our challenge going still. Keep doing the challenge. We'll talk more about that later. And join my VIP program. Commit, don't quit at EffortlessEnglishClub.com, EffortlessEnglishClub.com.